and welcome to season three, episode 12 of the Big at the Back podcast. We're here on a bright Monday morning. My name's Tom. I'm joined by Matt. Matt, how are you? Not bad. Not bad at all. It's almost the middle of October and it's like mid-twenties and it's disgusting. Um, but other than that and the ridiculous heat, at least it's saving us money by not having to put the heating on early this year. So um, with the rocketing energy prices, that is always welcome. How are you? I'm good. Are you using your aircon still? Are you using I actually, I actually had to put it on while we were in bed last night because it was, <laughs> I was genuinely sweating. Yeah. Oh, horrendous. Um, but yeah, all good. Uh, and made even better by the fact that the wild cards went well. We'll talk about football this week. We're not going to shy away from it. But first and foremost, we were both on a wild card this week, and I think we can both say they went pretty successfully. So why don't you talk us through how you did? Yeah, uh, it was very nice. Um, it is typical, though, that, of course, Pickford picks up a nine-pointer. Um, the first game, I finally transfer him out. Ben White as well? Yeah, Ben White with a haul as well. Um, but I'm not too... like These things happen, but overall, I can't complain too much. 72 points was my final score for the week. Um, Turner in goal with six. The back three not doing much, Cash with two, Burn with one, and Soufal with five because he's got four assists in four games. What a geezer. Um, Son with three points, avoiding the trap of captaining in the early fixture, which we uh, spoke about last week. Uh, Madison with six, thanks to his assist. Jensen with 10. Um, I think that's three goals in five games for Jensen now. Um, Salah was the main one, captained 30 points. Uh, a big, beautiful haul for Mo Salah. First time I bring him in, stick the armband on him, and he, he repays me straight away. Um, and then Haaland and Alvarez with two each, and Watkins with five. Um, yeah, we both did well with our captaincy, and a lot of people captaining Haaland and Son, so we've both done well there, haven't we? Yeah, Haaland uh, was... And Son were interesting options. But yeah, I think Salah was the clear and obvious pick looking back. Um, so just to quickly run through my team, like you, Turner with six. Uh, Trippier coming in. This is this to me screams that Trippier is back, right? Because in a defence that conceded two goals, Trippier gets one assist and two bonus points. Like That to me screams Trippier is back. We need to be on him. Um, Cash and Dallow both with two. Dallow perhaps my slight different option. Um, not paying off this week, but still sore enough. And Van Der Ven! <laughs> been talking about him for weeks and he finally came in. Come on! But you said he was going to score a header. He scored with his feet. Uh, he's still got a few easy games ahead. He can score yeah. a couple of headers. Um, but yeah, Van Der Ven coming in with 15. Um, Madison and Son and Diaby doing nothing in the middle but well Madison with an assist but Salah with the captaincy Watkins with an assist and Haaland with a blank so overall really good wildcard week on 79 points up to actually the top 50k in the world so I'm 49,297 overall in the world so it can only go down from here yeah you'd like to think so uh, I have finally will I'm willing to talk about overall ranks because mine is no longer shocking um it's still not great but having climbed from 2.4 million in the world prior to this weekend i now sit at just outside the top 800,000 um so we're still at that time of the season where a couple of good weeks um can really propel you up those leaderboards um 
And we're sort of at a time now where captaincy picks are a big thing because, I mean, Haaland's blanked in two in a row, which is uh, very unlike him. Um, Brighton next, which is potentially a good fixture to bounce back uh, with their defensive woes at the moment. Um, But with Salah performing, with Son having good fixtures and fairly good form, there's other options out there. I'm going to piss on your fire straight away and say, no, there isn't. Um, <laughs> Brighton at home, Brighton conceding goals left, right and centre. You're captaining Haaland. Man, you away with Harry Maguire and Johnny Evans. <laughs> um, what, that, what more do you need? Harry Maguire and Johnny Evans are the best defensive partnership in the league. And Casemiro being shocking. Um Bournemouth at home. And Anana being Anana. Anana being Anana, yeah. Um, Bournemouth at home after that. Then Chelsea away. I think for the next four, you're on Haaland. That's it. I don't... I would potentially argue, yeah, the Brighton game, but I would potentially argue for Salah at home to Nottingham Forest um, when City play United. Um, I mean, it's it's a coin toss for me uh, between those two, but I could see you going either way. I think Salah's off the table for this week. Uh, oh, sorry, the week after the international break. Early kickoff, straight back after international duty. Um, a Merseyside derby, which apparently always finish nil-nil, according to you, despite all the evidence to the contrary. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, I think Highland is the most logical shout for, for the first fixture back. Yeah, I, I think if you want to be different, you can go human son. But I think Nottingham Forest have looked good. So I'm not sure in that Liverpool in that Liverpool game... It's a sure thing necessarily because they've looked pretty good this season, picking up as quite a few clean sheets recently as well. Man, that Crystal Palace Forest game though was the most dull game of football. Thankfully, I only had to watch the first half because then Strictly started, so <laughs> uh, that gave me an easy out to not watch the second forty-five minutes. Like I do a predictions uh, like on the Super Sixes um, and the Bet Three Six Five predictions, I put them both down as a nil-nil for that game, and it was just so dull. But good for your defenders. Yeah, uh, we didn't announce my uh, unfortunate departure from Bet365 either, did we? <laughs> um, essentially, uh, I've been told I'm winning too much and therefore I'm banned from Bet365 forever, despite yeah. not winning all the time. <laughs> That's the thing, yeah, though. It is like they've just like pulled names out of a hat. It's like, you're banned, you're banned. I, I think for the year, I'm probably up about seven, 800 quid on Bet365. So that's probably what they've looked at, considering the size of my bets as well. So I'm winning more than I'm not winning. So they've probably just said, okay, enough is enough. We don't want this guy on our platform anymore. So I'm having to migrate over to Sky Bet. It's a very sad and confusing time in my life. Well, it was just one of those things, isn't it? You're obviously just too good at life. Evidently so. It must be really hard being you. I know, it is. It is. Um, I'll have you know that on FPL, it's reflected as well. Um, <laughs> where do you want to start then for the game? Shall we start with the Man City Arsenal game? Because that was the big one of the weekend, the early clash of the Titans, predicted one and two in the league. That's a really dull game. <laughs> it was, wasn't it? Um, it was a strange one as well. City, I think, missed Rodri, mm, um, putting the strings in the it. middle. And they just didn't really have any width. Uh, it was all very central. Um, Doku, when he came on, tried to do like make things happen. But I just feel like, yeah, they were a bit blunt. Arsenal 
knew what they were doing. Like They had a very clear game plan. They pressed high up the pitch when they wanted to, for, try and force City into mistakes. Um, and despite David Rea's best efforts uh, early on in the first half to put them 1-0 down quite early, they, they, they all did their job very well. Um, City were definitely lucky to have 11 men on the pitch for the entire game with Kovacic diving into a reckless tackle when he was already on a yellow card very early on. Um, but, I mean, I, I guess it was emblematic of the game as a whole that it was won by a massive deflection. Yeah, it was bad, wasn't it? And Kovacic, I mean, I don't want to go into conspiracies here. <laughs> but <laughs> the referee, there's two referees that are paid. Jet fuel doesn't melt steel. <laughs> there's two referees that were paid a week ago to go and ref in the UAE. Darren England, who was the Liverpool Spurs uh, VAR, and the ref who was uh, for Man City Arsenal. And I'm sorry, but the the fact that Kovacic hasn't seen red is absolutely preposterous. Should have seen straight red, probably, and then should have seen a second yellow, certainly, just minutes later. Yeah, I think the first one you can argue either way. Yeah, and uh, I, which I, is I, why it hasn't been overturned because uh, it's not a clear and obvious error. I don't have an issue with that one, but the second one is such an obvious second yellow card. Um, there is absolutely no way in hell that that shouldn't have been a second yellow it's just one of those the ref doesn't want to make a big call that affects a big game um he's bottled it basically is what it comes down to and you can't be doing that it's in these big games you need to make big decisions yeah absolutely although we don't want to half on about refs too much but there were another load of clangers this weekend across the board um but yeah the cover search one's probably the biggest ones um i thought martin the game itself, Man City Arsenal. The problem is both teams were playing super, super narrow. There was just no width. Like you didn't see anything from Haaland or Nketiah, the strikers, at all for the whole game. Alvarez was trying to pick up pockets of space, but because the game was so narrow, they just weren't there. Um, I think it changed slightly when Arsenal brought on Martinelli and City brought on Doku, because um, they looked the most lively for their respective teams. But without width, it just became a bit of a, a long-range punching battle. Yeah, it was, bear in mind, obviously, this is the big built-up game of the weekend. You're, you're, you're 4.30 on a Sunday afternoon. Um, and they've had quite good games in the last few years where they've been quite open. Um, it didn't really live up to the expectations, but I guess that's what Arsenal wanted. They didn't want it to be open. They wanted to keep it nice and tight, frustrate City, um, and then obviously just nick it quite like, very late on. Um, credit to Arsenal. It really does open up the title race, which is a good thing for the league as a whole. Yeah. Um, I just can't believe that after our eight games of the league season, Man City have lost as many games as West Ham. <laughs> well, <laughs> City, if you take the League Cup into consideration as well, have actually lost three of their last four. They're really not looking like the imperious City we know. And parts of that is Rodri being out, obviously. But also, I think the hangover from the treble winning season, when they worked so hard to win that treble, it's probably having a bit of a knock-on effect now. Yeah, and we saw something similar with Liverpool a few years ago. When you perform that highly every week for an entire year, it's so hard to then come back and do it again. Um, yeah. Maybe the international break will help them. Maybe it won't because obviously the players are far flung all over the world. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they come back there um, with that Brighton fixture. It's a three o'clock. It's a very rare occasion that Saturday where um, there's about five or six three o'clock games. There's three TV games on the Saturday because we've got an eight o'clock game. 
Yeah. Um, and then just the one TV game on the Sunday and then one on the Monday as well. It's a good Saturday of football, isn't it? Liverpool-Everton, then the three o'clock games, City-Brighton, probably, it's probably the pick there. Then Chelsea-Arsenal, then Sheffield United-Man United. That's a good Saturday of football. All I'm saying is my missus has picked a fantastic day to go to a spa day with the girls. Oh, my missus is there with her. Yeah. Yeah, let's organise something. Right. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, okay. we'll, we'll do something as well. Um, oh, what the dogs. Um, that'll be fine. Um, yeah, let, let's let's sort it out. Um, but yeah, what, what a weekend of uh, football that's going to be. Um, from an FPL standpoint, if Martinelli's back, cheaper than Saka, can I tempt you? What are Arsenal's fixtures like? Yeah, maybe. Um... For that Sheffield United home match, I think... Martinelli could have a lot of fun. Then it's Newcastle, but then it's Burnley, Brentford away. Brentford aren't great. Then it's Wolves at home, Newton away. I think I'll probably not for the Chelsea game, but I think I could hold and have two transfers and end up bringing two Arsenal players in for game week 10. Yeah, that is very, very tempting for me as well. Um, yeah, I could definitely see a world where I'm doing something similar. Um, but I think now like... Bear in mind, we just mentioned them as their next fixture. Chelsea are worth talking about a little bit. Mm. Sterling had an absolutely fantastic game against Burnley. He had their defenders on toast for most of it. Um, and also, you mentioned him to me last week. Cole Palmer now, if he's getting a starting berth and he's on penalties, Four is he worth looking points. at at 4.9? Budget midfielder, he's got to be worth looking at, especially if he's starting. But the problem is Chelsea's fixtures are horrible. So if you look at the next... Uh, seven games, it's Arsenal home, Brentford home, Tottenham away, City at home, Newcastle away, Brighton at home, Man U away. That is a dreadful run of fixtures. Um, so yes, they look good. Yes, they're starting to click into gear. Lots of young and exciting players. Still missing a striker and Thiago Silva can't play every game. So I think they're still short at the back. Um, I don't know what you're talking about, missing a striker. Nicholas Jackson scored at the weekend. He did. Nicholas Jackson Darwin did on the weekend. Darwin got two assists, though. So, like, <laughs> careful where you're going with this. Um, <laughs> uh, but I, I struggle to say bring them in on FPL, but I think they're definitely worth keeping an eye on, um, especially Cole Palmer in that budget midfield option. Yeah, I think, like you say, those fixtures just aren't worth doing it now, are they? But and also they still, do get a good run. We've fallen into this trap before. Looks amazing against a newly promoted team that are really bad. And then we all bring him in. Then he proceeds to be terrible. Like we made this mistake like a month ago. <laughs> yep, true. Yeah. Well, I, no, we didn't. Did you bring him in? You brought him in at one. Or did you start with him? I brought him in straight after that losing game. <laughs> yep. Absolutely genius. <laughs> once bitten. Yeah, once bitten, twice shy. Very much so. Um, a team... I think we need to discuss. And again, we... So, actually, we can do this in a few ways. Do you want to go Manchester United and build up to the Liverpool-Brighton match? Or do you want to just rip the band-aid off for me and go Liverpool-Brighton? Let's let's start with Man U. And you can tell me uh, how much you're considering bringing in Scott McTominay. I mean, <laughs> it says everything about Man U that the next fixture is Sheffield United. And I'm not interested in bringing anyone else from Man U into my team. No, I know. It is a shame, isn't it? Because when you look at the side and you look at some of the exciting players they've got in that side, 
especially more so from an attacking perspective than than anything else. Mm. Um, but obviously with Rashford, with Hoyland, with Fernandez, um, it just screams like you should be scoring goals with that much attacking talent. I think the problem, uh, I think they spoke about this on Match of the Day, that they're having is that central three in midfield. There's no creativity there. If you're going with like uh, a Casemiro, uh, like they, they, you could see they brought Ericsson on for um, was it for Casemiro at half time? Yeah, it was because uh, in that game, yeah, yeah. So they they need some more creativity in there. If you've got Fernandez pushing forward, you need someone behind that that's going to be making things happen. They're going for solidity, but it's not working because they keep gifting away goals every week. Yeah. I think I can't believe I, I said it at the time and I'll keep saying it. They paid fifty million pounds to downgrade their goalkeeper. It's absolutely ludicrous. And De Gea's still without a club, by the way. Which is mental. Mm. How has no one just gone, here's a big contract? Can you sign it, please? Yeah, it's absolutely not I, even Saudi. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's a good point, actually. How are Saudi not? Um, but Unless yeah. they've gone for him and he said no. I don't know. I think he was on 375 grand a week at Man U. So maybe his agent's asking for that and every club's just turning around and saying absolutely no chance. Yeah, he doesn't. I'm sure he doesn't need the money, does he? But mm. yeah, I mean, it, it seems a strange one. Maybe he's just like, thank you very much. I'll walk off into the sunset. But he's still... he's. He's not old at all, is he? So there's I'm no right, reason he should. Yeah, and especially when, like Real Madrid signed Kepa, I'd rather have the hair. Yeah, one hundred percent. It's just so peculiar, isn't it? But anyway, talking of Man U, uh, the goal they conceded a catalogue of errors, just defensively all over the place, and it wasn't just one of them. Onana terrible, Maguire terrible, Evans terrible. Although he had a great game for the rest of the match. Like, I think it was just Casemiro, dreadful. Um, so I think it was just a, a series of bad mistakes. When they need a goal, they're bringing on Anthony Marshall, Martial, which is, it says it all. He's How has that guy made a 10-year career out of dribbling around Martin Skirtle and putting it through the legs of Simon Mignolet? That goal against Liverpool that he's in his first match, has somehow kept him at Man U for 10 years against Skirtle and Mignolet. It's absolutely bonkers. It's a strange one. You've got to, you've got to imagine that he's, he's not one that's going to be getting a new contract when it eventually no. runs down. I have no idea how long he's got left on it. But yeah, their, their lack of depth and options off the bench, obviously with the Sancho situation, um, looks like he'll be off in January. So that's one person down. Anthony, I mean, I know he's back in... The reckoning now, but who knows what's going to be in his near future? Yeah, they need a couple more signings, and and we've been saying it for God knows how long. Um, they finally got a striker in who looks like he can find the back of the net, um, but he needs service, and that's not what he's getting at the moment. So until they find someone that can actually make things happen for them, um, they're going to be struggling, and that's what we're seeing. Yeah, Martial is under contract until twenty twenty four, so. Next year, he's on an annual salary of 13 million a year. I don't know what that is a week, but it's an awful lot. Too much. <laughs> Way too much. Um, but yeah, uh, I just don't think there's anyone at Man U I'd want to go near. Brentford as well. I know you're on uh, Jensen and he didn't look very attacking. So yeah, congrats. Well done. You've got him during a purple patch, but I, I'm not sure I'd be going there longer term. Um, but yeah, good call from you either way. 
the way I see it, he's got Burnley at home next, then Chelsea, and he could easily like be a person that moves out when they're like potentially even after that Burnley game mm. when they've got Chelsea, West Ham, Liverpool, and Arsenal as their next four. Yeah, very much so. Um, looking at then at the other games, should we just do it? Let's go to Liverpool. Go on, go on, go. The floor is yours. Um, so I'll get the ref stuff out of the way. Um, a clear red card on Pascal Gross, uh, for the penalty. I think even, even you who ardently disagrees with every decision that goes in Liverpool's favour, and um, even someone what you're talking about. heavily biased as you the other way, as I am one way, agreed it, it was a clear and obvious red card not given. I to put my fair hat on though, I also think Brighton should have had a penalty as well. Um, for the Van Dijk handball. I know it's close to his body, but if that was against Liverpool, I'd be fuming because I think that's a penalty. So I disagree on that one. <laughs> oh, I actually don't think it's a penalty. It comes up off his leg and the law I states... I thought it was it comes up off his hands. No, it came up off his leg and oh, then right. hit him there. So okay, that's seven. why it wasn't given. Um, but yeah, Brighton should have had 10 men. However, the two goals that Brighton scored, two terrible, just shitty defensive lapses from Liverpool. Um, the first one... Yeah, McAllister should have done better. But Van Dijk, what are you doing passing the ball to McAllister when he's surrounded by three players? Just nonsensical. Should have seen that a mile off. And the second one, Andy Robertson, just put your leg in the way. For God's sake, he pulled out. It's just ridiculous. Shambolic defending. Robertson's been past it for a little while. Um, I think he needs to be upgraded uh, in the next transfer window. But Get Simicass in. God, no. Um, <laughs> so I think we we, de- we do need a new left-back. We also need a new uh, left-centre-back, at least, um, at Liverpool. But, yeah, like just really, really poor defending for both the goals. Um, we were also, like, grabbing back hit. The bar was really unnatural. That was a bad miss. I, the ball was bouncing. It came at him really quickly. A professional footballer, you should be able to deal with a quick bouncing ball from, like, three yards out. Yeah, I, I I agree, but I and then I, you can say something similar for João Pedro going down the other end and yeah. blasting over from about eight yards when the ball was cut back to him. I do think with Roman back the rest of the game he played or the rest of the half he played, he was actually looking very good. So I'm surprised I, he hasn't been given a start yet. Um, he has in the Europa League. Um, yeah, I mean that's what I mean, and he played well in that game. So yeah, but today it was between him and Harvey Elliott. Elliott, or today, yesterday, between him and Harvey Elliott, Elliott had also been playing well. So I'm, I don't dislike it so much but I think Gravenbeck is going to be starting more and more games as time goes on um Liverpool just not clinical at all except for Mo Salah who was um Harvey Elliott leaving that ball by the way as it went across the middle was so good he obviously got a massive shout from Salah (laughs) he also Um, probably knows that Salah is much more likely to bury it (laughs) it was on his left it it was literally perfectly on a plate for him because he was coming in like it was perfectly weighted onto his left foot like yeah Yeah. he was never going to miss it yeah um but in general I thought really it was just a very sluggish game in the midfield I think Brighton dealt with us very well and I haven't seen many teams do that um but you know what I'll take a point away at Brighton you'd probably take it with the way they've been playing um, so I don't think it's the worst results in the world for Liverpool. Brighton uh, makes me w- wish I hadn't got rid of Matoma. So I will likely be looking to bring him back in for their amazing run from game week 10 onwards. Yeah, um, it is an interesting one, isn't it? I mean, um, they just seem so 
like a very strange team at the moment. Scraped a draw in the Europa League last week. Um, they're struggling a bit in Europe. They're they're not as free flowing going forward as they were late last season when everyone was sort of really high on the FPL bandwagon for Brighton. Uh, and they just can't defend at the moment. So I don't know. It's hard to see where to invest. I'm not entirely convinced. Maybe, I mean, like their fixtures coming up are good. Like after the City game, they're very good fixtures. So I can easily see a world where I like Jensen goes out and becomes Mitoma um, and the funds get shifted around. I can easily see a world where that happens, but I'm, I'm still not convinced. Well, I think the reason we're all so heavily on Brighton last season is because they had loads and loads of double game weeks, if you remember. Yes, true, of, yeah. Loads of blanks at the start of the season, then it was just double, 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 double. Like, I think there was one point where they had seven games in four game weeks or something like that. So that's why we were all super high on Brighton last year. This year, it's obviously a bit more even, but they do look very free-flowing. And I'll be interested to see how they do against Manchester City because they're going away to City. The problem is when teams are playing City, um, who, Dawson for Wolves completely man-marked Haaland out of the game. Saliba and Gabriel really, really put a foot in and man-marked Haaland. I don't think Bryson have got anyone capable of doing that. Bad um, on Dawson. Yeah. I, mean, I miss that, man. Dawson's performance against Haaland was quality. Um, but I don't think there's anyone within Brighton that can really do a job on Haaland, given Alvarez is going to be buzzing around as well, given Rodri is going to be back. I I find that, I think that's going to be a very tough game for them. That means that Mitoma still looks really good, despite all the rotation. He's the one starting all the time. He's the one looking the most threatening. I'm, I really can't wait to have him back in my FPL team. Well, you watch, you'll probably get injured on international duty or something now. Fine. I'm fine with that. Um, One less decision you've got to make. <laughs> <laughs> um, shall we talk about the Aston Villa game? Um, Aston Villa against Wolves. Weird game. So for those that missed it, it was 1-1 uh, with goals from uh, Juan and Pau Torres with assists from Neto and Watkins. We both got Watkins. I think you had Neto as well, right? Yeah, on my first uh, sub spot. Um, so he sat there with five on the bench. But I could, you know, I mean, the only person he could have came in, like he could have come in over that he would have scored more than was Son. Mm. Wasn't going to happen there. And then Haaland and Alvarez, who yeah. you mean, like, so I'm not going to worry about that too much. My main concern is how I'm going to get him into my starting 11 next week when they play Bournemouth. And I'm struggling with where he fits in over anyone else in my team at the moment. But yeah, it was a strange game. Um, good to see Watkins continuing his form, at least getting an assist. Uh, it would have been nice if he could have bagged a goal as well or something like that. But Wolves, are, Wolves look like they're improving, especially defensively, like we say. Um, managed to, to keep Haaland quiet and, and beat City last week. Then a good draw in sort of a, a local derby this week as well. So... Uh, maybe Gary O'Neill is starting to work his magic and the Bournemouth owners must feel pretty stupid right about now, seeing as they're still sat on one point bottom of the league. Well, speaking of Bournemouth, they look terrible. Losing 3-0 to Everton, who also look shit. Um, we, I, we said at the start of the season, Everton are going to stay up by luxury of there are a few teams that are worse than them and they'll get the key points when it matters. It's been the same story for a while. I think Bournemouth are one of those worst teams. So they're going to 
face again face walls who are on the up gary o'neill against his old club i would be moving heaven and earth to start uh pedro neto next match yeah definitely i just where do i do i like because i've got three defenders obviously you can't come in over any of them because the formation doesn't work mm. does he come in over like jensen but they've got burnley at home or do i go bold and drop alvarez but that is crazy surely Man City, oh, you don't right. Um I'd seriously look at dropping dropping Watkins against West Ham. Uh, potentially, but I was exactly yeah. fantastic defensively. I'd drop Watkins against West Ham for Neto uh, next week if I were you. Um, but then it'll be doubly painful when he scores a hat trick. Yeah, that's true. And is there any? This is like last year when you kept. Um, not playing people against Liverpool or starting Liverpool defenders when they were playing other teams. He was like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, uh, my Liverpool hat was definitely uh, my downfall last season. Um, that being said, I think West Ham is a tough game for Aston Villa. Bournemouth is an easy game for Wolves. Yeah, I would definitely be starting Neto. And Neto is like just returning every week at the moment. Yeah, the guy is an absolute machine. He's complete. He's going really under the radar, but he's so good. Um, he has so since game week three against Everton, he gets an assist against Everton, two assists against Palace, an assist against Liverpool, a goal against Luton, an assist against City, an assist against Villa. Guys, just super, super consistent. It's exactly what you want. Um, and he's only selected in 8% of teams. Yeah, it's bonkers considering his price tag. Shall we move on to talk about the West Ham-Newcastle game, which of course you didn't watch because it wasn't on TV in the weekend. So hypothetically... I, I was at the game. Yeah, hypothetically based on what you've heard from other people who are also at the game, what did you make of this? West Ham really impressed me for the most part. Newcastle, like... City were lucky to have 11 men on the pitch because like Brighton, uh, like Brighton as well. Uh, Gimaraes was booked early on and then literally 90 seconds later stopped a counter attack and managed to avoid a second yellow card somehow, some way. Uh, but Newcastle were poor in the first half. They, um, I don't know if it was the, the midweek performance against PSG took it out of them, maybe. Um, and like we've been saying, it's hard to keep up those levels when you have such a big occasion. Um, but second half, they came out a lot better. They were pushing higher up the pitch uh, and they gave us a lot more um, to think about and, and a lot more problems. Isaac uh, had a good game, cut a good goals. Their first goal um, came from a, a free kick that was never a free kick. Um, so they got a bit lucky there, but it doesn't excuse West Ham's poor defending. Um, so all I can say is we did well to to come back and get that late equaliser. Kudus with an absolutely fantastic goal. Soufal did well to find him when everyone was rushing into the box. Kudus just held his run and stayed just outside the box. Soufal cut it back and he took a, a lovely first touch and a great strike to, to bury it into the bottom corner from just outside the area. So Kudus is really exciting me. Um, Moyes is doing what he does, which is he's slowly introducing someone into a side and giving them a little bit of time because Moyes likes their play his players to play in a certain way and really buy into that philosophy and really do your defensive work as well. Um, so that's why he's probably taken a little time to bed in. But for me, the best news from West Ham this weekend is that Jared Bowen has signed a new seven-year contract um, with apparently no release clause in it as well. That is huge. So he's going to be at West Ham for the rest of his career, basically. 
or we get a shit ton of money for him, one or the other. Yeah, either way. Um, does it say, I think it says everything about Newcastle at the moment that Isaac got two goals, three bonus points, and I'm just not interested in him from an FPL point of view. Yeah, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because there is still that rotation risk with Wilson. Um, and the European football is obviously a big factor as well, how well they deal with playing twice a week as opposed to once a week, which they were last season. They have got some good fixtures coming up, though. So Palace maybe could be a bit tricky because yeah. they look a lot better defensively. Hodgson is a defensive coach and he, he's treading them defensively again. Um, Wolves and Arsenal, maybe a couple more tricky fixtures. But then when they have Bournemouth, that's one you're looking at. Like You're licking your lips, really, isn't it? Chelsea, Man U, Everton. Four games where you'd probably be targeting. So, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting. Um. What are your thoughts on the Spurs assets? Because obviously they got the one nil win. Uh, loads of people captain Shingman Son off on seventy five minutes. Uh, Madison off as well, though that was probably due to the ridiculous yellow card for Pesuma. Like, what the hell is he doing? Um, just so stupid, isn't it? Um, that was that was very much like Jota the week before for that second yellow. Just stupid decision making. Yeah, it was, I mean, what are you doing? Like, there are, I mean, I guess sometimes you can get away with diving because not like, in an it just VAR. happens. Not in an oh, well, but VAR won't, you can't then put it back for a yellow card. So he, you can sort of get away with it, but it was so blatant. The ref was so close to it. It's just pure stupidity. And, and as for the Spurs assets, they still kept the clean sheet, mm-hmm. which is obviously... A good thing when you go down to 10 men for 45 minutes of football. Son and Madison were both sacrificed to shore up defensively uh, late on in the game. So I don't have an issue with that, like their minutes being at risk or anything like that. It purely was just good management from Postacoglu to shore up their defence and make sure they come away with the three points. So I have no concerns. Their fixtures are still good. Um, so like. I, I, you're not getting rid of anyone, that's for sure. Son, obviously, was the disappointment for a lot of people if they captained him, but that's what you get for captain in the early fixture. Yeah, never captain the early kickoff. I think, actually, Son against Fulham next week is a much better captaincy option. Um, the Fulham look all right defensively. Um, I think Madison is still the one to own, though. Look, watching that game, Madison is at the heart of everything that Spurs do. I think he's the one you need to be on if you're playing FPL, because he's got so many different routes to points, I think, with James Madison, whereas Son is kind of direct. Everyone else is kind of direct. Madison's on set pieces. He's on free kicks. He has that genius moment in open play where he sets up, and and that could have been anyone that scored. It just happened to be Van der Ven. Um, <laughs> it could have been anyone. It was all created by Madison. So I think Madison is still a must-have on FPL for the moment. Yeah, definitely. He he is so busy across that area just behind the striker. He's all across the width of the pitch, picking balls up, finding pockets of space, trying to play balls in behind, which struggled a bit with at Luton because the grounds and the pitch is so small. But on a bigger pitch where there's more space for him to pick those balls in behind, I think he'll be a lot more successful. Um, like Son making those runs and him sort of whipping it round the last line of defence, you've got to consider that that's going to be successful at some point. Um, so, yeah, he really is the main man. And like you say, set pieces as well is, is another an avenue to points for him. So, 
yeah, I just think he is pretty much must-own at the moment. I agree with you. Yeah, and the next two fixtures at least look very, very tasty for Spurs. Uh, so the next two are Fulham at home and Palace away. And then even after that, Chelsea at home, Wolves away. So it's only when it gets to Aston Villa, then Man City, then West Ham, it starts getting tougher. Yeah, and even like the Villa fixture, where it's at White Hart Lane, Villa are very good at home at the moment and maybe a little bit less solid away. So yeah. um, even that is like potential for more points. Well, speaking of Villa, uh, Aston Villa assets. So we both got cash. Uh, we both got Watkins. I've got DRB as well. Next two games are at home. So West Ham at home and then Luton at home. And then Forest away, then Fulham at home. So the fixtures are still very, very... And then Tottenham away, Bournemouth away. So the fixtures, I think, for Villa still look very, very good. I wouldn't be selling or panicking on any of them yet, especially not DRB, who after the international break will be back. Him and Watkins up front together will be great. Cash is basically still playing as a winger, so he's still a must-have. I think Aston Villa are still a hold for me at the moment, if not a buy. Oh, definitely. I, I think they're a buy. Um, there's mm. no doubt in my mind with those fixtures. Three of the next four at home. They've won 10 in a row at home. Um, so they are definitely worth holding on to, um, which is another reason that I don't really want to drop Watkins next week because their home form is so good. Yeah, 100%. And actually, Watkins feels like a patchy player, but he's still ticking along with the points consistently another assist this week as well so really really you know there's another haul just around the corner um a few people this week have sold harland on a wild card playing with fire a little bit i feel like they won the battle but they're gonna lose war is far from over yeah (laughs) Yeah, it's a bold strategy cotton let's see if it pays off no the next i think like like we spoke about this last week, you put a draft together without Haaland just to see what it would look like. Um, and it does look, it looks tempting. But like we said last week, there's always a run where Haaland will just score hat-trick, hat-trick, two, one. And like, then you're so far behind the eight ball at that point. It's just not worth doing. Yeah, absolutely. The question is whether you should captain Haaland, not whether you should own Haaland. That's all. Yeah, definitely. With three, two or three premiums in pretty much every team with Son, Salah, Haaland and arguably Trippier as well. There is a case for not captaining Haaland. But I just think against Brighton at home, he's got the armbands all day long for me. Um, as tempting. Actually, my bias will probably be in Trippier next week. Um, Crystal Palace at home. But, yeah. That's not a bad shout at all because Palace looked like they offer very little going forward at the moment. I wonder if that could be a fun captaincy option. It would be fun. Whether it's the right one or not is a no, different answer. A different I'm question entirely. I'm probably not that bold. Um, After you suggesting we captain Trent in the joint team last <laughs> this weekend. <laughs> Glad I went back on that. Um, yeah, <laughs> on the joint team, this weekend we will be activating the wildcard button, which is going to be super, super fun. Um, but we'll go through that a little bit next week. Um, We'll do our looking forward pod next week because with international fixtures, we don't know what's happening with injuries. It could be that everyone gets injured on internationals. Um, It could be that Darwin Nunez has to be started for Liverpool, which Klopp hates starting South American (laughs) players after the international break. Um, But it'll be very interesting to see how everyone lines up. What fixtures or what teams do you think we should be targeting? I mean... You've got to target anyone that's playing Bournemouth at the moment. That pretty much goes without saying. Um, and then similar to, similar for Luton, that's pretty much spot on. But then United. I think, it's, yeah, maybe United, but then like you're not bringing in Sheffield United players, are they in there? 
ahead of their fixture next week. Right. So, yeah, I think that's pretty much... They're the main ones. Everything else feels a bit scrappy um, and like anyone can get something out of it, potentially. Yeah. So they're the main targets. Um, Villa, Villa players at the moment still as well with their fixtures, like we say, three of the next four at home with the home form being so good. Um, they're the ones you want to be bringing in if you haven't got many already. Yeah, absolutely. Um, cool. Well, we will leave it there because we've got another podcast before the next game week. Um, do not make transfers. I've actually had a good week this week, so I will not be making any range transfers. <laughs> um, Makes a nice change, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It's always nice going into the international break, having a nice uh, week in FPL. Um, but yeah, do not make any transfers unless you're on a wild card, in which case chase all the price rises, go nuts. Um, but otherwise... Have a great week, everyone. Enjoy the international break, and we will chat to you all next week in preparation for game week nine. See you later.